Well, let me say again, welcome uh, to all of you on this Easter Sunday as we celebrate uh, the most pivotal event in the history of humankind. You know, I read something the other day that uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. A recent poll said that two-thirds of Americans, 66%, just thought I'd tell you that if you didn't know, 66% of people in the United States today believe that the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ found in the Gospels is accurate, that they believe there actually was a physical resurrection, that it's just not a metaphor for rebirth and new beginnings, but that something happened on that day, that Christ died on the cross, was dead and buried, as the old creed says, and then rose. Now, I'm surprised by that a little bit because of all the the talk about the church decline and the decline in Christianity in the United States. By the way, it's, it's bursting in Africa and the southern, southern hemispheres of the world. But in the United States, it's declining. So it kind of surprises me that 66% still believe that. But here's what I would say. Although people maybe believe it and they, they know somewhat of the story of what happened on that day, I think most people do not understand the implications for our lives today, you know, 2,000 years later. And that's very important to know. Because Christ has risen, our lives can be impacted in a huge way. That news is very relevant for us today in 2023. So... I believe this wholeheartedly that the resurrection of Jesus Christ can make a difference in all of our lives in a powerful way. And so today what I want to focus my comments, my message on, is how does, what difference does Easter make in our lives today, now, our daily, day-to-day lives? So let me read you our scripture for today, the second passage of, of scripture, and then we'll pray and I'll jump right in. This is the Apostle Paul writing to uh, a church in a town called Ephesus. He says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great, and uh, different translations use different words for this, to, to try and grasp what Paul is saying here. This amazing power, surpassing power, is to help those who believe in him. It, now listen to this, it is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for uh, these two passages of scripture, for the resurrection and all that that means for our world and for us in our personal lives. We pray that um, you would speak to us this morning through the mystery and the power of your Holy Spirit, that our hearts, our minds, our whole lives would be open to your truth. May we see it and understand it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So I want to ask you a question today, to begin. Could you ever use a little more power in your life? 
And I don't mean, you know, kind of power you get from an energy drink. I mean real power. That can really uh, help you in the challenges of life, the difficulties of life. Boy, there are a lot of difficulties today, huh? I mean, I've been around for a while now on this old planet, and I can't think of a time when life seems so challenging, I think, for all of us. We've just come out of this pandemic, this old virus that shelved our lives kind of for three years. We face existential uh, threats to our environment, a war going on that really could explode at any time. It's a scary time. You add to that just the, the, the stress of daily living, you know, of, of family, of commitments, of work, and all the rest. It, it, life has its difficulties, doesn't it? I love Scott Peck's, you know, first line in his great book, The Road Less Traveled. You know, it sold seven million copies, so it's a pretty good book. Life is difficult. <laughs> the quicker we realize it, he says, paraphrasing here, the quicker we can live a better life. So life is difficult, and we need power, don't we? And power not just to get by, but, but to, to change. To meet uh, new situations. To forgive ourselves, maybe for something that, that, that we've done years and years ago, to be freed of those things that can bog us down. Power to, to save a relationship, perhaps a marriage. Power to be more patient, to be a better parent, to be a better spouse. Power to have a new start. Well, I have some great news today, and I love preaching on Easter because it's all good news, folks. This is the news. It was a great power that rose, raised Jesus from the dead. Great power. Think about it. When you think about all that that entailed, wow, we saw God move in many powerful ways when God created all things. That's pretty powerful. When God, you know, parted the seas for the Israelites, that's pretty powerful. When Christ became a human, wow, think about that. Boy, you want to see the power of God displayed. It's in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And our verses today, and here's the great news, our verses today from the book of Ephesians tell us that this same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us, to anyone who believes in him. Amazing promise, right? There are some great promises in the Bible, but wow, this is pretty good, that we have access to a great power in, the, in order, and the verse says it, to help us in our lives. Do you know God wants to help you? Today in our daily lives. Now, these verses come at kind of the end of a prayer that Paul is praying for this small group of people, this church in Ephesus. You know, Paul was a pastor as well as a great apostle and a great theologian. He would begin churches, get them going, and then he would go to another part 
of the Mediterranean and start another church, and he kept doing that throughout the Mediterranean region. But he would write letters back to them, instructing them and helping them to grow in their faith, and this is what is happening in this letter to the church in Ephesus. And just prior to these verses, he prays these things. He prays that God will give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they could know God better, not just know about God, but actually know God in an intimate way. He's praying that for them. He prays that the eyes of their heart, I love that, the innermost part of their souls, that they would be filled with hope, the hope that God has for us, and the rich life, the abundant life that God has for him. He prays, oh, I pray that you would experience these things. And then we come to our verse for today. And he prays that they would know, they would understand what a great power there is available to them as believers in Christ. Now, it's interesting to me that he has to pray this for them, and I understand that. You know, so many of us as Christians, you remember he's writing to a Christian church, you know, we claim to be Christians, claim to have God in our lives, but for many of us, and maybe this is what Paul is addressing, we live as functional atheists. (laughs) You know, that our lives don't really involve God on a day-to-day basis. So without, when something happens in our life, our first reaction maybe isn't, oh God, give me the power to get through this. Our first reaction is, man, how am I going to buck up <laughs> and get through this, this difficulty, this challenge that I have in my life? And so Paul prays for them that they would understand and access, tap in to this great power available to them. You know, as, as we consider what I said at the beginning of the sermon, how the resurrection makes a difference in our lives today. Wow, we have to start here. That there's a power available to all of us. A power that can change our lives. Power that has all kinds of implications. All kinds. But I want to focus on two today because it's a beautiful day and I want to get us out of here. Boy, what a beautiful day, too, right? So, two implications. The first is this power that Paul speaks of can give us a new start, a new beginning. Have you ever wanted to start over again? Oh, man, I look out at your faces, and I just, in the short time I've been here, I already know many of your stories. We've hit walls. We all have, haven't we? Difficulties in life where we wonder, wow, can I start over again? Can I have a makeover, maybe? <laughs> Another way of putting it. You know, years ago, my, my uh, wife started watching this makeover show. Remember all those that were on TV? So it was, it was called What Not to Wear. Did anybody see that? You had this woman, Stacy, this guy Clinton, both hilarious. <laughs> both really smart, too, by the way. Uh, and the show was all about, you know, bringing people in who dressed like slobs, 
and giving them a new a makeover. You know, not only their dress, but maybe their haircut, new makeup, you know, a makeover. And so my wife, you know, she has a great taste in fashion and she likes that kind of thing. So she started watching this and I, I'd kind of watch her when I was going through the room and you know, I didn't really want to get involved with that. <laughs> Boy, I started watching and I, I was hooked. Because it was amazing, you know, their dress wasn't just about the clothes. They just didn't have poor taste. I asked Don if he ever saw the show, and he said, obviously not. <laughs> I won't comment on that. So they go through this whole thing. They talk to the person. They take their clothes out of the closet and throw them in a trash can. And, you know, they start talking to why, why, why do you dress this way? Why don't you like this? Da, da, da. And they, they do a makeover. Have their hair cut. New, new makeup, and then, well, and here's what's interesting about it. It's not just about clothes, obviously. It's about insecurities and how they cover up their bodies or whatever, whatever it might be. And so then after this, this makeover, they invite their best friends for, I guess, kind of a coming out thing, right? And they're, they're in this place, and all their friends, best friends and family are gathered there, and, and then they walk out. New person. Complete makeover. And they're beautiful, right? And everybody claps. All their friends are crying. They're crying. It's an amazing show. <laughs> we love those shows. I have to admit, I was brought to tears more than once. That's between us. Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> Boy, we love those shows. Why? Because, man, new start. New beginnings. People overcoming things in their lives. You know, Jesus talked a lot about makeovers. It was kind of his thing, even before Clinton and Stacy. You read through the Gospels, just read through a Gospel. Notice how many times Jesus meets people and what does he do? He gives them a new beginning. A new life. I love reading through the Gospels and just, just seeing how Christ takes a life and, you know, that's all broken and puts it back together. That's his business. There's a story in the Gospel of John about this, one of these interactions and these encounters. And the Gospel of John about a man named Nicodemus, a religious leader, very learned man, very smart Pharisee who came to Jesus at night because he didn't want anybody to see him talking to this penniless preacher. He asked him a bunch of questions. He kept asking questions. Finally, Jesus said to him, you know, Nicodemus, to see the kingdom of heaven, to have eternal life, to live life with God now, as well as for eternity, you must be born again. You must have a, a rebirth. 
You must have the Spirit of God, which blows where it may, come in and do a complete makeover, a transformation on you. Now, we hear this term, uh, born again today, and, and you know, we don't, want to, we don't want any part of that. It has negative connotations uh, because of all sorts of reasons, but, you know, we got to reclaim it. This idea of new birth, of what happens to a person when they believe in Christ and Christ invades their life. Because what Jesus is talking about here, about being born anew, it's a beautiful thing. It's a spiritual birth. You know, we have our first physical birth. Jesus says, you got to have a spiritual birth. And Nicodemus said, well, how can, a, how can a person go back in his mother's womb and have another birth? And Jesus said, oh, that's when Jesus says, oh, Nicodemus, you know what? You're not going to figure this out. The Spirit has to come and just give you a new start, new birth. You know, that takes a lot of power to do what we've just talked about. Because Jesus isn't talking about just kind of some minor changes here and there. I, I love what C.S. Lewis says in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, you know, Christ isn't making nice people. He's making new people. I love what Paul says in, later on in the New Testament. Anyone who is in Christ, or Christ is in them, Christ in you and in Christ, interchangeable. Christ indwelling us, the risen Christ. Remember in the Gospel reading, why do you look for Jesus among the dead? He is risen. He's alive. He's more alive now than he was before. (laughs) And he can live in us. So Paul writes, anyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation. A new person. The old is gone. The new has come. Anyone. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's always the possibility of a new start, or a new beginning, a makeover. And the makeover of which Jesus is saying, boy, it's from the inside out. It's a deep, deep makeover where we know God. Anyone. No matter what has happened, no matter how terrible the mistake, you can be a new creation. You know, of course, at the heart of this is, is forgiveness, right? Because forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts that God gives to us and wants us to experience. Did you know that? Wants us to. God doesn't want us to live in guilt and shame. God wants us to be free. And not let those things in the past, you know, dog us down. Certain psychiatrist once said, I, I could dismiss half of my patients tomorrow if they could be assured of forgiveness. That's how important it is. We need to be forgiven so we can move on and start anew. Here's the deal. When Jesus died on the cross, and boy, trying to figure out what Christ did on the cross, the work of Christ, what we call the atonement. Don talked about it a little bit last week. Books. Shelves. Bookshelves are full of books trying to explain all that happened. But I can tell you this. For sure what happened 
is Jesus conquered death and sin. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. And what's the it that he talks about? The it was our sin, our failure, our guilt, our shame. Man, put to death. And that was not going to rise again. <laughs> put to death. He's conquered it. See, this is what's happened. Both our sin and death itself was defeated. Because of that, through the resurrection, you can have a new start. You can be forgiven. And God will redeem. There's a second reason the resurrection can make a difference in our lives today. God not only wants to give us a new start, but God wants to help us live a new life. You know, it's just not this one-time thing. God wants to continue to work in our lives from the inside out to give us a new life. Empowered through the resurrection to overcome a bad habit, to, to beat an addiction, to be a better parent, to be a better spouse, to, to get our eyes off ourselves and become unselfish people. You see, we all want to be better people, right? Live better lives. We set new goals. We make resolutions. By the way, how are those going? We read books. We even attend seminars. But all these efforts come down to the same thing. And you know what that is? It's trying harder. On our own power. Trying harder. Man, that can be exhausting. I've talked to people. They've said, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. And I want to say, well, it's because you're trying to do it on your own power. And that's not how we've been created to live. We've been created to live in relationship with God. To have God in our lives. As our companion. To be in relationship with this God that raised Jesus from the dead. And to access that power. And yet we just keep trying harder. See, Christianity is, is kind of unique. It's, it's not what we do. It's, it's what's been done for us. Very different. But we try and we try and we just, we have good intentions. And we just miss the mark. You know, the, the word that is most commonly used for sin in the Bible is a Greek word, obviously. You know what it means? It's an archery word. It means, you know, it, it has a picture of a, a, a woman or a man shooting at a, a target. And, and the arrow goes and just misses. It can't hit the target. We just, we miss the mark. You know, it, and that's such a different definition of sin because most of the time we think it's about making mistakes and it's part of that. But it's really just not having the power to do what we want to do sometimes. It's a great theologian named J.I. Packard, and he said, you know, total depravity, which is what the reformers called this brokenness, this inability to, to hit the target, means not that at every point 
humankind is as bad as, as we could be, but that at no point are we as good as we should be. That's an interesting spin, huh? We try hard and we just can't be the person that we want to be. We can't, contrary to this uh, commercial on radio right now that says, you are your best self. And I, I remember hearing that, eh, I'm not my best self. Are you your best self? We have failed to be the, the person that God has created us to be, but the good news is God wants to empower us to live the life he calls us to live, to be the person he calls us to be. Christ is not dead. He is risen. He wants to empower us to live a new life. You know, there, there's a story that's been around for decades. It's about this great Polish concert pianist named Jan Paderewski. By the way, I think this could also be Steve Main, our music director. He could, he could do this. The way the story goes, he's, he's giving this great concert at a big concert hall, and a mom brings along her nine-year-old son because he's begun piano lessons, and he, she wants to take him to this concert to see what he could become, motivate him to take piano lessons. And so they're sitting there waiting for the concert to begin, and, and his mom starts talking to somebody next to her, and as she's doing that, he sneaks up and he gets up on the stage. And he sits at the piano, and he begins to play the only song he knew at this point, which was Chopsticks. Can you imagine this great concert hall filled with people and there he is playing chopsticks. And there's kind of this unsettledness in, in the audience, like, what's going to happen? Is security going to take this kid and rush him off? Is, is the great maestro going to come out and, and be mad at him, tell him to get off his piano? What's going to happen? And so much to their surprise, Paderewski comes out. And he, he comes up to the, the boy, and he puts his arms around him, and he pl begins playing. So they're playing this this duet, and they improvise to make this, this beautiful, can't you see Steve Main doing this? <laughs> now, the way the story goes, Paderewski was whispering into this kid's ear the whole time. He's saying, I'll get you for this kid. No. <laughs> he said, just keep playing. Just keep playing, don't quit. Just keep playing. Together, we're going we're gonna to make music that they will all remember. By the time the night was over, you know, Paderewski had played his entire repertoire, all these great pieces. But you know what people really remembered? Was him playing with this little boy and improvising and helping this little boy to make a masterpiece. Now, <clears throat> that story's been around for decades. You can go online and find it. It's kind of in the urban myth uh, category. I'm not sure it really happened, but I love it. Because it's a great illustration of the new life in Christ. Christ comes around us. He puts his arms around us. We're not alone. We don't have to do it on our power. He begins to play. He teaches us. He guides us. He empowers us. 
He helps us to be the people that God created us to be. And perhaps it's right here that we find the most miraculous thing about Easter. That the risen Christ is not dead, but is alive and can take up residence in a human heart and forgive and enable new starts and new beginnings and empower us to live life the way it was meant to live. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the resurrection, for the incredible love that was demonstrated to us by Christ being on the cross and dying for us so that we can live a new life and live for eternity. God, may you help us to believe and to understand and to access the power that you so want to give us so that we do not have to live life on our own, but instead have your loving arms around us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.